Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Glad to have you with us for overtime tonight on 1067 The Fan. However, you're tuned in, whether it's via the AM, FM, dial the Odyssey app, or on the stream at thefandc.com. We are so glad you're here. I'm Danny Noakes, Caitlin in studio producing the show. We're with you for about another 90 minutes leading into a little Virginia Tech basketball coverage. That begins at 8.30. That's when we'll hand things off to their crew to get you some college hoops. But from the gridiron to the ice, the only team in D.C. right now getting as much coverage as the Commanders is the Washington Capitals, and that's because the Caps have been busy with Friday's trade deadline looming. To break it all down, let's welcome in Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington's Capitals coverage. You can find him on Twitter, at by Matt Wyrick. Matt, the Caps keeping you busy the last couple of days, man. I have to think that's exactly the case, right? Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Danny. It's definitely been really today is, is where things really started to pop off. Uh, a couple of upcoming free agents, the Caps decide to move and, you know, bring in a, a young defenseman. I think that this is a, uh, it's been exciting, even, even with the team, obviously not having the season that it was expecting and kind of looking ahead towards next year. I think, you know, to bring in a guy like Rasmus Sandin, you know, it, it does bring some excitement about what the team could look like next year and beyond. It is. It's certainly what a lot of fans out there are wondering. And before we get to today, I think we should go back to last week and look at the first deal that the Capitals made, trading away Dmitry Orlov and Garnett Hathaway in exchange for three draft picks and Craig Smith. I know a lot of people were definitely bummed to see Dmitry Orlov go, one of the members of the 2018 Cup winning team guy that had been here for a pretty long time and Garnett Hathaway too who had really endeared himself to Capitals fans not just with his physical and tough play but I thought that he had really done some good developing with his offense the last year or so what do you make of the first deal that the Caps made leading into that Ducks game last week yeah I mean from an emotional standpoint it obviously hurts Orlov member of the Caps Stanley Cup winning team 14 years in the organization uh, you know, really been a, a star on the blue line for the Capitals for several years and mm. signed to, to extensions as well to, to stay in D.C. longer. So, you know, he's a guy that's a homegrown product, and anytime you see a player like that leave town, it's going to hurt. And, and Hathaway, as you mentioned, really did endear himself just two years in, in the nation's capital, but among the, the team's hardest-hitting players, but also a player who was really involved in the community, doing a lot of charity work with first responders. Uh, so really just kind of top-to-bottom Losing those two guys, that, that hurts for the Capitals, both for their fan base and in the locker room. A lot of the players very disappointed to see them go. But, you know, I think ultimately the two of them both set to hit free agency after this next, next season, or after this season, I should say. You know, to get a first-round pick back for the two of them, I think was a major win for this Capitals organization. Uh, you know, there are guys who are going to be gone after this year. You know, you're not losing them for nothing. You're, you're able to get a first-round pick back on top of a second and a third in future years. Uh, and that's something, you know, I covered baseball for a while. And, you know, that's also something you see very often in baseball is trading a rental for a first round pick. So mm. I think that's a pretty big win uh, for the Capitals. And they were able to make that that pick work for them uh, just, you know, a couple of days later. 
It's a fantastic point, Matt. And I think on top of the fact that those guys, Orlov and Hathaway, really were just fan favorite type of players. I think the the fans found that it stung a little bit more because they were sent away to the Boston Bruins, a, a division rival, and obviously a team that that right now is sitting atop the NHL. They've they've had the best record for pretty much all season long. But obviously, you mentioned today and things really starting to get going about twelve or so hours ago. Well, the first move that the Capitals made was trading Marcus Johansson to the Wild for a 2024 third round pick, sort of getting another draft pick to add to the pile that the Capitals started with with the deal uh, sending Dmitry Orlov and Garnett Hathaway to Boston last week. But then the Caps also acquired, as you said, Rasmus Sandin from the Maple Leafs for Eric Gustafson and the Bruins' 2023 first-round pick. So Sandin on the on the books as, with John Carlson as the only two defensemen on a contract past the season. I saw that on your Twitter earlier today. What did you make of the moves that the Capitals made here on February 28th? Yeah, I think the big key thing is is the four players they've traded away so far all set to hit free agency after this year. So they're only traded rentals so far. The moves that they have made have not diminished in any way their ability to compete in 2024 and beyond. And in fact, they've improved just with the move to get uh, Sandine, who, you know, a 22-year-old defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs, a former first-round pick, uh, who really hasn't had a ton of opportunities to play on special teams, to play top D-pairing minutes. And I think that's exactly what he's going to get coming to D.C. is really an opportunity to flourish. He's a guy who's graded out very well in a smaller sample size, and now he's going to get an opportunity to be that guy uh, in D.C. He actually was pushing for a longer contract from Toronto last offseason, even set out the first week of training camp trying to get a deal done, ultimately had to settle for a two-year pact, and now he's going to ride out that deal in D.C. where he'll be a restricted free agent at the end, and if he does play well, the Capitals will have every opportunity to keep him around long term. Yeah, and like you said, a very talented young player certainly won't hurt having him on the roster for this year and next, not to mention the the first-round draft picks and the other draft picks that have been acquired. All things considered, the Caps have made out here before the trade deadline pretty well. We're talking with Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington's Capitals coverage on the BetQL guest hotline. You can find him on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. Matt, if we look at what's happening on the ice, obviously the six-game losing streak ended uh, on Saturday and not before they lost a disappointing game to the Anaheim Ducks, but the the Caps continued to sort of be up and down, right? I thought they went out and played that game against the Rangers and it was probably the best game that the Caps have played so far in 2023. Was that your takeaway? I'd say it's definitely pretty close. I mean, this since over the last 21 games, it dates back to January 6th or 7-14 and 14, and that's really what's kind of spelled the end of their hopes for a playoff run this year has just been their performance over these last two calendar months. Uh, you know, they, they go out against the Rangers, a team that they actually blanked four to nothing back in December. Uh, they might just have the number of the Rangers. You know, you, you can probably remember a couple of years ago with the whole Tom Wilson or Timmy Panarin situation <laughs> as well. They've yep. played the Rangers well. It's a fierce rivalry, and the Caps seem to always rise to the occasion when New York's on the other end of the ice. But uh, they come out really flat against uh, Buffalo, you know, they, they're trying to play this high-speed game, and, and it kind of works. They, they go in at first intermission, tied 2-2, but the Sabres just really overpowered them by the end of it, and some costly turnovers you know, came back to haunt them, and ultimately Caps just couldn't keep up with that Sabres high-octane offense. And I think that just kind of showed you know, the state of where this team is at right now. They've obviously been banged up, uh, but, but ultimately they're a veteran team. They're, 
They're one of the oldest teams, if not the oldest team in the NHL. And you know, they're looking to get younger. And, and that's what you're seeing here with this move uh, to get Sandin is, is a, an effort to get that way. Because they have a lot of you know players who might not be on the team next year. And they really could kind of overhaul their roster and make another run over these last few seasons with Ovechkin still playing. Yeah, you know, and and guys like Backstrom obviously not getting any younger either. And when it comes to the losing streak that the Capitals broke with the win over the Rangers on Saturday, obviously what was missing from the Capitals throughout most of that losing streak was Alex Ovechkin mourning the loss of his father. Very understandable. But offense in general was very limited for the Caps over that frame of time. But you come out. They put six goals on the on the board against the Rangers. They put four on the board against the Sabres. But I, I think that speaks perfectly to what you were saying in that, yeah, they can score goals, but because they're 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 sort of getting advanced in terms of their age and, and and they're not particularly deep defensively, it's hard for them to keep pace with a team like Buffalo, who's ahead of them in the wild card race right now, and, and with a stud like Tage Thompson who already tore him apart once this year. He scored again in the in the win a couple of days ago. You can understand why it's it's kinda hard for the Caps to keep pace right now. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this is a team that's that's been together for a long time and their core has has done it. We've seen them make that deep run, but you know there, we've, we've seen very few games where everybody has been on the ice at the same time. Obviously, John Carlson is the latest player to be out, and it doesn't look like he is returning uh, anytime soon. So you know this is just kind of uh, a situation where the, the Capitals have been going for it every year for the past decade and a half. Yeah. And at a certain point, you know you kind of have to take a look at your organization and say, okay, we just don't have the the prospect talent that's coming up and filling these holes. We don't have the picks. Uh, maybe accrued to, to make big blockbuster moves. We don't have the salary cap space uh, with players on younger contracts to to make big blockbuster moves. So at a certain point, you you got to decide how are we going to move on from here. Sometimes it means taking a little bit of a step back to make a big jump forward, and that's what you know the Capitals are looking to do right now. Rebuilding on the fly is sort of the phrase that I've heard some of the more optimistic fans and media folks around the team referring to what the Capitals are doing right now. I, I think that's a fairly accurate uh, depiction of, of, of what's happening. Now, I'm going to let you go here in just a second, Matt. And, and as you already said, it would be quite an uphill battle for, for the Capitals to, to make the playoffs this season. It's certainly not impossible, but with, with the depth of, of the Metro and just the wild card in general, it, it's going to be tough for them to I think make any significant progress but again looking at it from an optimistic standpoint you got two games in a, a quick three game west coast road trip coming up but two of those games are against the Ducks and the Sharks two teams that are not very good this season although each of those teams have beaten the Capitals in the last month or so yeah I mean that, that Ducks game was was really kind of a head scratcher for the gaps I mean obviously it came on the heels of Orlov and Hathaway being traded with the emotions there not happening just before warm-ups, but you know, they come out, they score first, which is something they've really been pushing to do. They outshoot the Ducks by almost 20 shots on goal, and they win the special teams battle, outscoring the Ducks one to nothing on the power play, and yet they still lost 4-2. to two. So kind of just a game, and, and that's kind of been a trend recently for the Caps, where they feel like they did enough things to win, and, and ultimately they just aren't scoring enough. You know, At the end of the day, they're not finishing enough plays uh, to win the, the, the game. So that's what they're going to look to do is basically try to, to continue what they have been doing and turn the results around and, and turn things, uh, for those losses into W's. And the good news is for them, after they get through this little stretch here of a couple of sub-500 teams, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but they basically play pretty much all the teams that are around them in the standings the rest of the season. So, yes, it's a difficult schedule the rest of the way, but if the Caps 
are going to turn things around and make a run at the playoffs. They have about a 10% chance, according to Hockey Reference. Uh, they're, they're at least playing all of these teams that are right ahead of them in the standings, and they can, you know, game by game, if they were to go on some toward winning streak, uh, really turn things around. They could beat these teams and climb over them themselves. So that is the, you know, the opportunities in front of them, but depending on what moves they make over the next couple of days, their roster could look very different uh, when they do take the ice next weekend. So you're saying there's a chance <laughs> and that's what people, that's really all that, that people want to hear there. Although certainly as, as we've been saying, it, it will be tough for the Caps to get to that point, but trade deadlines coming up. It's on Friday afternoon. We'll keep an eye on Twitter, keep an eye on the, the news and see if anything else happens here with the Caps. Matt, we'll let you go, man. Thanks so much for carving out some time for us on a Tuesday, buddy. Enjoy the games and we will catch up with you again soon. No problem, Danny. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. There he goes. That's Matt Wyrick, NBC Sports Washington's Capitals coverage. One more time. Find him on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. Of course, he was part of the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smart, beat the books with BetQL. All right, let's do it. Let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. We'll continue to talk caps because as we went through this segment, obviously a lot of information to take in with the trades, one of which broke shortly before we got on the air. So we'll rehash it in the next segment right here on 106.7 The Fan. Thanks again to Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington's Capitals coverage. He joined us in the last segment. Great stuff from Matt. As always, we're continuing our discussion on the Caps here right now. 800-636-1067. Caps are not quite in a full sale mode. As I put it in the last segment, I've been hearing folks refer to it as rebuilding on the fly. I think that's probably good way to describe what's happening right now because the key pieces of the Capitals are not going anywhere, right? Ovechkin's never going to go anywhere. Backstrom's not going to go anywhere. I would think that Wilson is also untouchable. Maybe some other guys that that would be considered in that group as well. But there's no denying that, and and I think it was most apparent in the six-game losing streak that they were able to snap at with the win over the Rangers on Saturday. But they just look slow at times, and they're inconsistent throughout the season. The effort seems inconsistent, and I think that there are a lot of reasons for that. But certainly as you get to a team with more players that are, are more at advanced age, it's hard to, to keep them grinding for an extended period of time when, when they've already got so much hockey under their belts in terms of their careers. So feel free to jump in on the conversation here over the next 10 or so minutes. Last week, we went through the trades with Matt in the last segment. Caps traded away Dimitri Orlov and Garnett Hathaway in exchange for three draft picks and Craig Smith. Now, the draft picks, you got a first, a second, and a third, but from different years. None of them are in the same years. But as Matt pointed out, the fact that they got a first, trading away a couple of guys in Orlov and Hathaway that are on free, uh, they're, they're going to become free agents this offseason, as Matt referred to them correctly, rentals as they were. Getting a first-round draft pick in exchange for that is not something that should be overlooked. That is a pretty savvy move, it would appear. Now... Today, there were two trades that happened. Marcus Johansson was sent to the Minnesota Wild for a 2024 third-round pick. I know a lot, I've actually seen a, a lot of people not happy with the way that, that Mojo had been playing over the last couple of games, but the Capitals also acquired 22-year-old defenseman Erasmus Sandin 
from the Toronto Maple Leafs for Eric Gustafson and the Bruins 2023 first round pick. And that was an announcement made by the team. So it's Sandine and it's Carlson, the only two defensemen under contract past this season. So they've got some work to staff out their defense going into the 2023-2024 season. But that's probably not something that we'll see them take the brunt on until the offseason. It's not to say that the Capitals are done. The trade deadline is not until Friday afternoon. And so there's plenty of time for the Caps to continue making some deals. And from a gameplay standpoint, what's happening on the ice, the Capitals are sort of all over the place. And we mentioned the trades on the heels of the first trade that was made last week, the Caps dropped a game to an Anaheim Ducks team that they should have beat. And and it's a Ducks team that has beat them more than once already this season. Now, in the midst of the wild card race, the Ducks were a team that the Caps, again, are much better than, especially when you compare the records. So it should have been a get-right game, and it was the exact opposite. Caps lost 4-2, to despite leading it two different times. It's just like we talked about with Matt no puck luck in that game for the Caps. They were getting good opportunities, and some of those opportunities just unable to capitalize on them. And combined with trading away two assets to the best team in the league for draft picks, it really seemed like the Caps were sort of gearing up for a full rebuild, which would mean that the playoffs are, are not a priority for them at all. But I don't think that that's necessarily the case because bringing in someone like Sandine, I think, is going to help you immediately. And some point... Again, they're, they're hanging on to folks like Ovi, Oshi, Wilson, Backstrom, try to infuse that veteran leadership with some young talent. And so they go into the game against the Rangers, third place in the Metro, who have been a very good squad this so far this season. I think it's the best game that the Caps have played in 2023. Not the entire season, but in 2023 so far, since the start of January. Right, You, you kind of got to go back to December to see the last time that the Caps were playing consistently good hockey. And the month of December for them was very good. I remember shortly after... Uh, it was shortly before, actually, New Year's Eve, I saw their record and was like, wow, yeah, we really don't want to see December end for this team, do we? Because they are on an absolute tear. And and there was obviously a lot of good vibes around the team because Ovi had just passed Cordy Howe on the all-time goal-scoring list in the NHL with 802 on December 23rd. So th- th- there was a lot that was contributing to that. But after the Rangers game, the Caps played back-to-back days, played on Sunday, went up to Buffalo, and the Sabres are ahead of the Caps on the wildcard standings right now. They gave up seven goals in that game. Seven to four was the final score. So at this point, looking forward at what the Caps have over their next couple of games, we mentioned the Ducks, we mentioned the Sharks. They're also going to get the LA Kings. But the last two wildcard spots belong to the Islanders and the Penguins right now. The Isles have 69 points. The Pens have 67 points. And the Sabres are right behind the Pens with 66 points. Now, there are three teams that are tied with 64 points. And that's the Capitals, it's the Florida Panthers, and it's the Detroit Red Wings. So it's a very crowded race for that final wildcard spot. They're going to need some help, are the Capitals. But the the Senators are also only two points behind that trio of the Caps, Panthers, and Red Wings with 62 points of their own. So Caps are in Anaheim tomorrow night. It's a three-game West Coast road trip. 
Caps then get San Jose on Saturday. That's another team that hasn't been very good. And the LA Kings is who they wrap up this road trip with, who actually has been pretty good. They're second place in the Pacific Division right now, right behind Vegas at the moment. But taking two out of three on this road trip, I still think would would go a long way before, as Matt also mentioned, you look at the rest of the capital schedule and they're going to be playing a lot of the teams that are ahead of them in the wildcard standings. They're going to play Buffalo again. They're going to play Pittsburgh again. They're going to play the Islanders again. They're going to play the Panthers again. They'll play the Islanders multiple times, as a matter of fact, not to mention games against New Jersey, Boston, the Rangers, the Lightning. So there's going to, it's a very tough finish to the season for the Caps, but certainly an opportunity to make progress as they're going to be lined up against a lot of the teams that are ahead of them in the wild card standings. 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. Before we go to a break, let's take a couple of calls. Let's start with our guy, Captain Todd, who's listening all the way over in Houston. Todd, thanks so much for calling in tonight, buddy. Appreciate it. What you got? Hey, Danny. How's it going, man? I'm good, man. Probably not as good as you, though, coming off that Florida State dub over Miami this past weekend. That was a heck of a win, man. Congratulations <laughs> to your Knowles. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it's not every day that you get very excited about a 9-20 and 20 team. Uh, uh, and then we kind of reverted back to what we were. Um, but that was a fun night. Sure. Yeah, well, hey, the, the Hokies are in the same boat this season, so I, I feel your pain, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, I was actually going to ask you, because I, I haven't really been paying attention too much to the Hokies uh, about how you're doing this year. Um, and yeah. I, I know you got them coming up after you're off air tonight, um, so I guess it's not, not going as not going as well as you thought it would be going this year. No, and and there was a there was a big big losing streak of seven games that the Hokies went on shortly after getting going in the ACC this season, losing to teams like Boston College, who is very much improved, but I don't think they're a better team than than Virginia Tech. The Hokies just aren't able to hit their shots like they were last year. You know, I, I think Hunter Couture is still their, their most important player. He likes to rain threes, and he's been as efficient as any three-point shooter in the ACC, but no one else has really been able to keep pace with them. So it's they'll go and beat Pittsburgh, who right now is alone atop of the ACC, right? Half a game lead on Miami, and then they turn it around, and, and they'll lose to a team like Georgia Tech. So it's you know it's it's really tough to figure out what's going on with them right now. So we're the same team. Like we'll we'll exactly. beat Miami but we're just not any good. <laughs> exactly. And and Florida State's half a game better than Tech this year as a matter of fact, at least in in terms of their ACC record if you can believe that. Do we play each other this year? Uh no, cuz Tech has okay. Louisville. Actually wait, yes, they do. They finish up uh on uh Saturday. 4 o'clock. ESPN Saturday. 2. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, I'll have yeah. to check that out. But that'll be the only time where we can't be friends for like exactly. three hours. For yeah, it, 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 like two hours. <laughs> it won't even take that long. It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. But you know, it's it's kind of like you're the. 0-14 Lions, and you beat the Patriots once, and then, like, you don't win any other games, and, like, that's <laughs> yeah. just kind of your season. Yeah. So, the Caps are yeah. not unlike that this year either, are they? I, the, you know, they'll, they'll go and beat a Rangers team, and then they'll, they'll, they'll come out and they'll give up seven goals the next game. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what, man. I, I, I have very randomly been getting live Caps games on Hulu in Houston. Oh, cool. Very, very randomly. Um, it's not like I can just tune it in whenever I want. It's just right. – 
I, I, I pull up Hulu and all of a sudden it says, hey, do you want to watch like the Caps live? I'm like, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> and I click it thinking, oh, there's going to be some sort of sign-in thing or like, you know, a blackout or I'm not in the, 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 the area or whatever. But then I'm able to watch the Caps game. And the one I was able to watch most recently was the game where they won, I think it was 6-2, 6-3, something like that. Rangers game Pretty Saturday, yeah. yeah. Rangers game, yeah. yeah. So I watched that entire game. And I, I don't think I've felt like that since 2018. I mean, I was, mm-hmm. I was wearing my jersey or my sweater. I was up and down. I was texting my girlfriend, who absolutely could not care less about <laughs> how excited I was. And I'm like, all right, you know what? We're turning it around. That's it. We're turning it around. The rest of the year is going to be nothing but positivity, and we're going to kick some butt, and it's going to be great. And then I think the next day we lost like 7-2 to two or something, and it was like, okay. Bringing us back down to earth, man. That's that's how it's been. <laughs> yeah, and now you know, and I, I was actually talking to uh, to someone on Twitter about this, and I understand why they're trading away all these guys. Like, I, I get it. Like, I logically, I can understand. We're trying to get younger. We're trying to get rid of expiring contracts. We're trying to get mm-hmm. rid of older players. Right. We're trying to get younger and get some capital kind of rebuild this team up for, for Obi for the next couple of years. All true, yeah. But a, a tiny little part of me is like, Hathaway, really? I love that guy. I, I used to listen to him on Beamish and Finley every week. I, I I feel like I knew that guy. You know, Orloff, Orloff was there for our, our cup run. I know. You I know. know? Like, there's it, some of these, Mojo, how, how, much, how sentimental did you get when we brought Mojo back? I know it was cool, you know? and and I w- I probably had the most reaction to Orlov getting traded when I saw that. I was like, "Dang, it's it's happening!" You know, it. it I kind of I hate to say it. I kind of got the same feeling as I did when when the Nats started selling off their pieces from their championship team. But but at the same time, I know that they're not going to start selling off guys like Ovi and Wilson and and the t- the tippy top of their roster. But but it is still eye opening. It is, and it's it's frustrating. It's one of those things where, like, you kind of go back and forth. Like, logically, your your mind is like, okay, I get it, I understand it, but I just want to see these names in these uniforms forever. I know, I know. You know, and I, know. I, I, I you understand, uh, and I get it. You're 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 right. Like, they're Oshie's not going anywhere. Right, he's staying. Wilson's not going anywhere. Like, you're not getting rid of these guys. Like the right. the, the big 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 time names, um, unless there's some sort of ridiculous offer for Oshie. Right. Um, I still don't, I don't think McClellan could, could do that or would do that. It would have to be – I don't even know what it would be. I, I can't even think of anything in my, my mind right now that it would be to get rid of Oshi. There's just no I, way. Yeah, and I, I don't think anybody will be – I don't think anybody will be clamoring for him, willing to give up a, a, a big price tag like we're, we're talking about here. Todd, i got to let you go, buddy. i got some more calls to get to, but I appreciate you calling in. I'll catch up with you again soon, all right? Yeah, buddy. It sounds good. Uh, we can talk any day except for Saturday when our teams are playing. <laughs> That sounds good, man. <laughs> Best of luck to the Knowles. That game's in Blacksburg on Saturday. We'll we'll talk sooner, all right, dude? All right. Sounds good, buddy. Have a good night. Yeah. You too, man. There goes Captain Todd, always gracious with his time, calls us from over in Houston, listens to the show religiously, and we appreciate that. 800-636-1067, the MGM National Harbor Listener Line. I've got time for one more call. Let's go to Kevin in Arlington calling in, wants to talk little caps with us. Kevin, thanks for calling in tonight. How's it going? Hey, thank you for taking my call. It's my pleasure. Um, Listen, I I think the fire sale uh, of the UFAs is needed. Um, Mm -hmm. Look, I love the Caps as much as anyone. I I remember the first game in 74 at Madison Square Garden, and, you know, it felt like I waited all my life for that cup win. But just being realistic about the number of UFAs, our cap situation, 
our pipeline situation up in Hershey and elsewhere, mm. um, what Mac is doing is very sensible. And if you can get a young player, as they did today with uh, the Maple Leaf defenseman who was former first-round pick, who's yeah. got upside, mm-hmm. um, you do it. So, to me, um, this is all about setting up for the biggest reload possible this summer. You've got to move out, Eller. You've got to – really, you have to move out everyone – who's UFA, if you can't, for example, extend Jensen. I would like to extend Jensen because he's a righty D. He's a top 4D. Um, you extend Jensen, and then you have Carlson, Jensen, and uh, Sandin. Sandin, uh, yeah. Excuse me, under contract. And, and, and you go into July and free agency uh, better position. And, and just one thing, I mean, Mac is very good. He and his team are very good at finding value for players that can fill in. And, you know, who heard of Hathaway before he got him? Who heard, you know, Gustafson, That's he's true. been able to flip players for assets that we'll need. And I have every confidence that they'll be able to get good players this summer. I'm not suggesting the Caps are going to be able to rebuild to where they're a cup contender again, but they're going to be a team, I think, That'll be fun to watch. It'll be competitive, and that will be competitive enough to allow Ovechkin to have a real shot at pursuing the Gretzky goal record. So uh, I'm all in favor of this fire sale to continue. Um, we need to see what some of these youngsters from, from Hershey can do that will fill in for some of the open spots. We, we really haven't done that, and it's really not been Laviolette's thing. I think the next big thing also this summer is, is Laviolette really the guy you need for a team that's not going to be as old, uh, that's going to have a lot of young developing players as mm-hmm. part of the, the mix next season. So mm-hmm. I, I think we're in for huge changes. Uh, nothing against Peter. I think he's been tr- terrific. He's had a tough hand dealt to him, but I yes. feel like um, that's a possibility. We might have to reconsider how we go forward. What what new voice in the room could be there to, to get us to play more consistently and the last thing is, with all the injuries, we, we definitely need to get younger and more durable. And I'm hoping that this reload that's underway with the fire sale being phase one um, can get us there. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, Kevin, I think I think it's a great call. Appreciate you hitting us up. And I definitely agree with you. I think it's necessary. And you heard me talking with Captain Todd just a couple of minutes ago, and it's a necessary evil, right? Guys like Orlov have been here through the cup run and, and for over 10 years at this point, a draft pick that the Capitals brought in. So it, it's hard to see guys like that move on to, to other teams and to go on to a, a rivalry, a, a team that we would consider not the biggest rivals of the Washington Capitals, but a rival in the Boston Bruins and one of, if not the best team in the NHL. And they've had the best record in the NHL all season long, but absolutely. I believe it's necessary. And, and Kevin mentioned one guy too, that I'm surprised we haven't seen traded yet that I do expect to be traded before Friday's trade deadline, which is Lars Eller. Now talk about a guy that appears regularly right here on one six, seven, the fan and Garnett Hathaway with B Mitch and Finley. Lars Eller has been doing the junkies show for, or the, or he did, a couple of years ago. So yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a necessary evil. But I also think that they've done a good job to this point getting a guy like Sandine and getting multiple first round draft picks and other draft picks. I think that they've actually done a, a pretty good job to get themselves to this point. And they're not done yet. It's only Tuesday at 739, February 28th, and they've got until Friday afternoon to, to make some more deals. So appreciate the calls this segment. Let's step aside to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get to more right here on 1067 The Fan. 
Appreciate everybody who's called in so far to talk some Washington Capitals with us. Obviously, Washington in somewhat of a selling mode, not a full sell mode, but having made three deals over the last five or so days, the Capitals obviously trying to infuse some youth into an aging roster that does still have plenty of talent on it, but some necessary moves being made, some draft capital being acquired, and we'll see what the rest of the season brings for the Caps. We mentioned that this West Coast road trip is going to start with two games that the Caps should certainly win. Going out on the West Coast and doing that, obviously, is certainly not anything to take for granted, but from the optimistic outlook, you at least have that going for you. Now, to talk some more commanders here in this segment, we'll go for maybe five or so minutes, but we already got to the report from earlier this morning about Dan Snyder, a $55 million loan that may or may not have been disclosed to the, at the time, other minority owners of the Washington football franchise. Those owners no longer have their stake in the team, but that doesn't mean that Snyder will be getting off without any sort of consequences for this latest scandal. But I feel like we've talked about that enough. The other two big pieces of news that have dropped over the last couple of days, outside of Eric Biennemi becoming the offensive coordinator and the assistant head coach, the first of which is Deron Payne has officially received the franchise tag from the Washington Commanders. And there was... A growing number of people that assumed this was going to happen. It wasn't necessarily a guarantee at the beginning of this season, but as time wore on, it became more clear that the commanders were planning on doing something like this. And I certainly think that it is a good move because Deron Payne had a career high 11 and a half sacks in 2022. That was third among defensive tackles and was second among all tackles with 21 tackles for loss went to his first pro bowl and started 70 he has started 75 games and has 26 career sacks so he's had quite an ascension here over the last couple of seasons really this last season in in uh in particular because coming out of last year in his first couple of years with Washington, he was probably considered more of a run stopper. But when you put up 11 and a half sacks as an interior defensive lineman in the National Football League, that's probably not an accurate depiction of who that player is anymore. And in this case, it's Deron Payne. And I think a more accurate depiction of Deron Payne is he's just turning into a perennial pro bowler. He's realizing his potential. And now with more experience under his belt along with playing with next to his buddy and former Alabama teammate Jonathan Allen who is also darn good they have formed one of if not the NFL's best defensive tackle tandems so keeping him in DC is definitely a great idea and what Putting the franchise tag on Deron Payne allows him to do is it allows him to continue negotiating with Deron Payne through July. But after that, the commanders have to wait until 2024 to continue their negotiations. So I would remain optimistic about that. I think it's interesting to think about what Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne continuing to play next to one another could look like. I also think it's interesting to think about whether or not a long-term deal does get done with Deron Payne. Because if, if we look back on the last two guys that got the franchise tag in Washington, D.C., we're talking about Kirk Cousins and Brandon Sheriff. 
and both guys ended up leaving with Kirk Cousins having been the starting quarterback of the Vikings now for the last several seasons and Brandon Sheriff going to the Jaguars and going to the playoffs this season and even moving on to the second round after the Jags somehow came back to beat the LA Chargers in what was just an absolutely bonkers wildcard game. But both of those guys leaving has hurt the Commanders franchise tremendously. Now, I think they're both very different, though, because although although Kirk Cousins has been significantly better than what Washington has had since he left, I don't know that giving him the contract that Minnesota gave him would necessarily be the best course of action because I don't think Kirk Cousins is ever going to win the big game. That's my opinion. That's my opinion based on what I have seen from him, both in games that matter in prime time of the regular season and in the playoffs. I just don't think he has it. I think Minnesota is very good, but I don't think they're a great team. And with him at quarterback, I think that's their peak. Brandon Sheriff, on the other hand, I think hurt more to see go because the commanders had already watched Trent Williams walk out the door and you basically gave up nothing for him, even though that's not how that trade went down. But considering that Trent Williams has only been an all pro since leaving Washington DC and is now not up for debate, the best offensive lineman in the league at, at, you know, well into his career at this point, Seeing that guy walk out the door, you'd think that they would have a little bit more urgency to keep someone like Brandon Sheriff, who was another first-round pick in the building. And that was not the case because they ultimately let Brandon Sheriff go as well. So that was certainly a poor decision considering how bad the offensive line was at different points throughout the season. There were games where they were able to overcome that, but whether it was Carson Wentz in the game, throwing interception after interception, or Taylor Heineke constantly under pressure and fumbling the ball away, the turnovers were often due to the pressure that was caused by the lack of help on the offensive line. So not having Sheriff, that's a big deal. And now, as I see the mock drafts come in, and and a lot of people have Washington taking a cornerback in the mid to late first round, I'd rather see it be an offensive lineman. We'll see as the NFL scouting combine comes to to begin this weekend and, you know, uh, everything that, that comes with the NFL draft being a couple of months away. There, there's always a lot of ebbing and flowing with pro days that are ongoing as well. But I think the biggest need for the commanders is on the offensive line. I think it's a bigger need than the cornerback position. And I think they need to ensure that whether it's Sam Howell back there or someone that they bring in down the road, you got to keep them upright. And that has not been something that they were able to do last season. And they ended up not being a terrible team last season, but you can't overcome not having a good offensive line. How does that play into what is happening with Ron Payne now? Well, having him on the franchise tag is great. He's also durable, right? He hasn't missed a game the past three seasons. He started 75 games. And that's saying something when you stack him up against someone like Chase Young, right? Chase Young, the second overall pick a couple of years ago, rookie of the year, sensational talent, but we haven't really seen anything from him over the last two seasons. Ron Rivera kind of hinted at potentially trying to get him to a point where he was sort of trying to prove himself in a contract year like they just did with Deron Payne, but I don't know that Chase Young is as durable as someone like Deron Payne because Chase Young had a major injury and has missed a ton of time. So uh, you could see something similar play out between 
the commanders and, and Chase Young, but I, I think someone like Payne right now has proven to be more valuable despite the, the hype that Chase Young came in with. All right, let's get out of here. Let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll cl- quickly wrap up the 7 o'clock hour right here on 106.7 The Fan. Closing up the 7 o'clock hour here on 106.7 The Fan. Thanks for joining us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Danny Dokes here with you. Caitlin in studio producing the show. We're glad to have you, and we're with you up until 8.30, leading right into a little Virginia Tech basketball coverage as they travel to Louisville to take on the Cardinals. Should actually be a win for Virginia Tech, their final two games against Louisville, and on Saturday we were talking with Captain Todd a couple of segments ago. They get the Florida State Seminoles in Blacksburg. But at this point, it is incredibly unlikely that the Hokies find themselves in the NCAA tournament. The only way they can get there at this point is to do what they did last year, and that would be run the table and win the ACC tournament up in Brooklyn. And we'll see if that ultimately ends up happening because the Hokies actually have played some pretty good games against the top-tier ACC teams. It's actually playing the lower-tier teams where they really start to come down to their competition. But as we wrap up the 7 o'clock hour here, real quick, I wanted to get a scoreboard update on the Wizards-Hawks game. Wizards in action against the Atlanta Hawks. This game tipped off at 7.30, so about 27 minutes ago. 25-19 to lead here for the Wizards, 2.43 to go. Uh, 226 to go, rather, in the first quarter. Denny Avdia with a couple of points. Bradley Beal on his way has 11 on 5 of 7 shooting. So we'll keep an eye on this when it comes to the Wizards. Uh, they're kind of continuing a roller coaster year. Not unlike the Capitals, by the way, but the Caps have been a little bit more consistent. Wizards have dropped their last two games after entering the All-Star break on a three-game win streak. They lost to the Knicks on Friday night. Mounted a double-digit lead in the first quarter of that game. Everything looked good. We were sitting right here on the air talking about the Wizards extending that win streak. Porzingis had 19 points in the first quarter. I saw JP from the Junkies was happy and ready to cash a either a parlay or some other bet that had to do with the Wizards and, and Porzingis getting a certain amount of points. But Porzingis only ended up scoring 23 for the game. So he had four points the rest of the way. Julius Randle would go off for 46 on 16 of 29 shooting. And the Knicks outscored the Wizards in every quarter after that on their way to winning 115 to 109. On Sunday, the Wizards traveled to Chicago for a matchup with the Bulls. Team that they've got a nearly identical record to this year. Wizard, uh, Wiz led by two after the first, but ended up losing 102-82 after they couldn't even break 20 points in either of the second or fourth quarters when they watched DeMar DeRozan go up for 29 points. The Bulls, by the way, half a game back of Washington for the 10th and final playoff spot. But a reminder, seeds 7 through 10 are considered part of that play-in tournament that the NBA does now. They've been doing that since the bubble year in 2020. Uh, But the other six teams, the other six seeds don't have to compete while the bottom four are hashing it out for those play-in spots. So right now, Wiz one-point lead with about 30 seconds to go there in the first quarter. 25-24 the score at the moment. Let's step aside. Let's take another quick break. We'll come back. We've got two segments to go off the air at 8.30. We'll do some more college basketball coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.